Shall we uh, test one, two, test one, two? Testing, testing, microphone two. Connected. <laughs> what coffee were you drinking just now? Uh, the instant coffee from the room. Why are you such a big instant man? Uh, all about practicality. I just started, like I just fell into the pattern of doing it this year. And then I realized how much time I was saving, like in the morning. And you love it. And I just continued on. Well, we might as well get going. Lockie, Lachlan Morton, welcome. Thanks for having me. This is Life in the Peloton. Um, we're down at Pepper's, wonderful resort here in Torquay. Living the dream. We actually hijacked this from Sky, not us specifically, but um, from so the story goes, Sky found this down here. And instead of staying up in um, Geelong, they were like, sweet, let's just stay down on the beach and cruise up to Geelong, do Cadell's race, blah, blah, blah. And um, someone caught word of it. Now this is actually the, the race hotel. So we've... I didn't know in. that. Yeah. It is really nice here compared to Geelong. Nothing against Geelong, but Nothing. just the... I mean, I've done two years in Geelong. Yeah. I had a good time, but I was just ready for something new. <laughs> <laughs> and here it is, talking. It's nice. <laughs> I walked down the beach. I saw you went for a swim this morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's ideal. Good riding. Get down to Bell's. Exactly. It is pretty crap riding back up to Geelong though. Yeah, the riding out of Geelong hurts a bit. Just the traffic. Mm. I don't know if I could train down here full time. Do you reckon you could? No. Um, I mean, maybe it's one of those things you've got to know it a bit better. Mm. Because I guess Cadell always trained down here, right? Or is that just kind of a bit of a... Yeah, I know he's got a place in Barwon, but originally he's from... His mum lives... And he grew up in Arthur's Creek, which is out near where I live, yeah. in the north of Melbourne, which is really good for riding. But I don't know when the transition was to Barwon. I'm getting the feeling like it was sort of... I'll I actually don't know. I'm not even going to go out on a limb and say <laughs> something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about you. Um, the why, reason why... Well, one of the big reasons why I got you on this pod today was because I think you got a really interesting story... Um, and I want to sort of fill in the gaps from what I know and what the truth is, is that you and your brother, Angus, were sort of super talents coming through the juniors, you know. Um, and to give you a bit of background on your brother, because I think this is important, um, Gus came through and went over and did some testing when he was very young in Spain and was tested by a doctor over there on a VO2 max machine. And he gave him this advice, wrong or wrong, wrong or right, that at that point, he had the capacity of an 18-year-old. And, you know, they sort of fed him the, the information a 13-year-old probably would love to hear, but should never hear that. You could potentially go on and win the Tour de France, <laughs> you know? And I think that would give you a perspective of the type of level of cyclist you both are. Um, and so from there, you guys both sort of came through, took the, took the Australian scene a little bit by storm and, you know, Gus a little bit ahead of you sort of led the way. But I think the whole reason why I want to speak to you today is what happened with Gus is he, he was going on that way. And it seemed like to me, there came a point where he was just like, you know what, this isn't for me, right? And this is a very, very short story of it. And Gus decided to stop cycling at that point and you continued on. But in a, in a very different story, you've continued on, but you've made your own way with it. So what I, to bring it back a little bit, mm. is this sort of how you saw, what run me through that young, that young part of you and Gus 
growing up as cyclists and compared to that that feeling you had as youngsters then that feeling as Gus sort of was trying to go overseas and race and then your feelings after that yeah I mean like as a young kid I think I was just like any younger brother like Gus is two years older than me so when you're young like you pretty much I just wanted to be doing what he was doing you know but I was younger yeah um and so that at a point became like bike racing so you know he he started at the local cycling club and then the next week I was like well I want to do it um and that's pretty much like how all our younger years went did it happen Um, with other things as well as cycling yeah totally like riding motorbikes like Gus was riding motorbikes and I wanted to ride motorbikes Mm. um pretty much anything I mean like when you're young anyone who's older than you is automatically cooler (laughs) you know like when you look back at a lot of people you thought were cool when you were young you're like oh that was such a douchebag you know what I mean (laughs) but like so pretty it was anything like whatever music Gus was into then I was into you know um so yeah, and Gus was like, as a young bike rider, immediately super talented. Because like, as a young guy, he was like very, he was super developed. <laughs> he was like, was he, he was like a big kids, was he? Yeah, he was the man child. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, so oh, like, so I see what's happened here. He just lost the man child advantage and then <laughs> drifted out. Right. <laughs> no. That's the end of the story. No, okay, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, he started getting coached by this guy, uh, Graham Sears, um, who was like, ran the local bike shop, uh, an Olympian on the road, um, but had the choice to do a track or road. Just like, you know, mm. the perfect sort of guy who could bring you into like the world of cycling. Um, so he started getting coached and then I started getting coached and we both really quickly... Um, like Gus, probably more so than I, but got sucked into like being like, oh, I'm going to be professional. Mm. You know what I mean? And that didn't mean like, okay, I've got like five years, six years to slowly get to the level to become professional, to like grow up basically. Mm. It was like, no, I'm going to be professional like tomorrow now. Yeah. And so then that was so my you, were standard. You, were you then also in your mindset living like a pro as a junior? totally like and he was so because Gus was two years ahead of me um like my whole idea was like well I just need to be better than he is when I'm that age yeah okay but I just took it up the same way he did even younger yeah right you know what I mean so we were like yeah like as teenagers like just fully like I was so much more professional than I am now (laughs) um but I think back about what we used to do, like at school when I was like, you know, in nine, ten, I was just training 30 hours a week. Oh, what? But still like at school full time. Yeah. So I'd get up at like 4.30 in the morning, five, uh, three hours before school. And then like mum would come to like, instead of picking me up, she'd just drop, drop my bike, bike off. Wow. And I'd ride back. Um so that but that was just normal mm. for us like I only look back at it now and I'm like holy shit like what were we doing you know <laughs> yeah. like insane and mum and dad were always trying to slow us down they were like not the pushy parents yeah. but we were so like yeah you, as kids you're so driven it's like oh yeah. no you dropped the bike there I'm not getting in the car and you're like okay what am I going to do yeah yeah and Gus had Gus has always been way more competitive than I am so I think his drive was like a real wanting to win mm. And mine was just sort of like trying to keep, keep up, up a yeah. bit, um, which had led me to be like a very successful junior, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, I guess like I was just following up that way and there was never any, like I felt like Gus kind of carried all the expectation mm. and I just kind of slid under the radar. Which made, I think it made it easier for me. So he was sort of breaking the way for the, even for the name or even for you. But you were still achieving, if not 
the same, if not better results. But just because it was behind, it sort of got unnoticed. Exactly. I mean, by the time I was winning a state title, Gus was winning a national title. Yeah. You know, and then by the time I was winning like a national title, he was, you know, representing Australia or whatever it yeah. was. Um, so, but in like in hindsight, I think that was good for me because I didn't, uh, and I kind of still had that carrot. Mm. And also like any mistakes he made, I sort of learned from. It's quite good. It was good to burn him out. In front of you. <laughs> Pretty much, man. <laughs> and like, so when it got to the point of like, so Gus did Junior Worlds as a first year under 19, did really well. Yeah. And then Gus being Gus, he's like, all right, I'm going to win it next year, mm. which coincided with his year 12 of school. On so, the road, Junior Worlds. Yeah, yeah. on the road. Um, so he decided he was going to do homeschool mm. for the last year because he was Your like, mom I want teach him. No, we're just like, basically it's called distance education. Okay. So like you can do school at home so he could train more. Yeah. Right. Um, and being, that was the first time I saw it. I was like, this is too far. Like oh. I'd like, that was like, you thought that. So what were that, you in like year eight? Year. No, no, you in, he was in year 12. So you're in year, year 10. 10. And, um, I was like, this to me that seemed too wow. too far, and I could see what it did to him. Like it didn't help him in any in any way. I don't think. Yeah, you didn't like. You probably it. agree with me on that. Yeah, like, you're like, it, I don't want to be that. Yeah, and that was the first thought of like, like maybe you, you can go too far. Mm. You know what I mean? So what happened then? Because you went on to then ride with the look. This is a little bit forward. Yeah. Once you got to the level of professional or semi-professional level, you went into Garmin development, then into Garmin World Tour. You know, you were making those steps. So what happened when the carrot was away and Gus stopped and then you were left on your own? Did you view it then like, okay, I've seen sort of the mistakes he's made, so I'm not going to make those mistakes myself? Or what was what happened um, when Gus had gone? I think like it was a weird scenario because I joined the Garmin development team and I signed a contract that was all the way to World Tour. Okay. So like it was two years I think with the development team. Yeah. And then straight two years with the World Tour. So like that was like mapped out then. So this is in 2011-2012 with the development. Yeah. 2013-2014 with Garmin. So how old were you then? Uh, Like 18, 19. Um, Right. And that was right when Gus sort of stopped. Okay. So you were sort of locked in before you he'd gone. Yeah, know? it was almost like like there was a couple of years overlap. Then by the time I turned world tour, he'd stopped, and mm-hmm. I was locked in. Yeah, to do it. Um, and then I think I lost that like reference point mm. for like making mistakes. Mm. And then it was like my turn to make all the mistakes, <laughs> yeah, pretty right. much. Um, which I made heaps of, like, in those years. Like, in World Tour or in the development as no, well? No, in World Tour. Yeah, right. Um, because, like, now I think about it, like, that was almost exactly when Gus stopped. Yeah, right. So then it's like, all right, now I'm You're on your paving own. the way. Wow, you think about that, and I didn't realise how much influence he would have. I've got an older brother, exactly like you. I'm a younger, youngest. And, yeah, it's a funny thing. You still, at the age of... 32 i still look at my older brother as my guidance you know and ultimately i'm a <laughs> i'm a grown man yeah, you know, i exactly. can make my decisions but you still look at your older brother yeah um and i can actually relate exactly to what you're talking about you know it's you lose that reference um yeah right so well, and he was also going into a different world yeah like a world that like i'd didn't never know. knew yeah. you know like he was then going to university and like you know surrounded by a bunch of interesting cool people that I was like you know like meanwhile I'm sort of going like off the other direction were you thinking at that moment oh maybe I'm I should still keep following I want to follow like down the yeah I mean not I, exactly what he was doing but you like you just that comment then you're like oh yeah going no, to university, I want- seeing cool people you're like Hang on, I, yeah, no, I wanted to follow that path. Yeah. Like there was only a small bit of me that still wanted to continue down mm. the world tour sort of path. Um, so then, yeah, it was just kind of like, and then you start to question a lot of things because he'd obviously was questioning himself doing all 
you know, being like, what have I been doing for the last, you know, three years of my life, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So then I, all of a sudden I'm like, well, I'm still doing this. Yeah. You know, so well, yeah. Well, take, take me then to, because was it Tour of Swiss when things, was it Tour of Swiss 2013, your first year of Garmin, mm. when things sort of came to that bit of reality, clarity with you? Yeah. Like that was when I did, I had like a tough start to that year. I broke my collarbone. I decided to move to Mallorca, like, like off the advice of a team mechanic. And like, <laughs> just like, just made all these like pretty rash decisions. But anyway, it was just on a bad roll, which sort of culminated with the Tour of Swiss, which if anyway, like, it's a really hard race. Yeah. It's just like, it doesn't matter if you're good. It's right before bad. the Tour de France. Exactly. Everyone's pinging to go you, the You tour. have to really want to be there yeah. and have really trained well yeah. to, to to survive it. And I survived it like on my hands and knees. Um, and just had the realisation at the end of that race, I was like, I do not want to do this. Mm. So there's no ounce of fun in this for me mm. at all. And I flew back to the US um, Did you have reading, some scheduled time off the bike then? Yeah, so mm. July, like, yeah. not doing the tour. Um, so I flew back to the US and was meeting Rachel. Mm. And Who's your wife? Who's mm. my now wife, yeah. girlfriend at that time, um, who was at university in Sydney, so I never really saw her. And she met you in the States? She met me in the States. Um, and I had a conversation with Dad, like, just before she got there, of being, like, trying to tell him that, like, like I wasn't I don't think I was going to stop yeah and were you scared to tell you that yeah a little bit why because he had invested so much in you or what do you think well just the feeling of like I think it, deep down I knew I was just kind of giving giving up on it yeah a bit well that's sort of how I felt yeah and like I know dad wouldn't care if I stopped having like given everything so, but yeah, anyway, I said to him and he was like, well, like you kind of, you have to what, do wait, something. What did you actually say to him? I was like, I, I don't like, like the world tour racing is basically not what I thought it was. And I can't see myself doing this. Like I want to stop. Did you feel like physically you couldn't be there? It was purely like, I don't want to be here. Um, I think it's like for, in that time it was, it's both. Yeah. Okay. You know, because one sort of feeds the other. Yeah. Um, because if you go, like, and soon after this, like, physically, I came up to the challenge. Yeah. And then... Then you start questioning, like, well, maybe I'm actually not good enough here. Yeah, yeah. So, Dad basically said, like, you need to do something, like, to earn a living, which obviously... And he's like, and this is, like, at that moment for a 20-year-old or 19-year-old, like, it's good money. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, like I'd, otherwise, it's like, all right, you go back to school. Yeah. And I just took that immediately as like, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't not you can't. stop. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah. Um, so then you're going back into it with the, wrong, the totally. wrong motivation then. And then it was like this series of events where I was like, okay. And then had this like great trip with Rachel where we just like drove to California and like... No bike. No bike. Just like... A whole of July or something. Yeah. 10 days, I think we drove around. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then I came back and was like, righto, like when, as soon as Rachel flew out, I was just like, righto, I have to do this. So I just went fully onto the like regime and just went and stayed up in the mountains for a month solo. Did you enjoy that? Um, or was it a very much like, I know I've got to do this. I'm getting paid. I've got this responsibility. Or was it like, you know what? I'm actually enjoying this. Now I'm back to writing. No, I think it was... Like, at the time, I thought I enjoyed it, but, like, now I look at it and it's, like, it wasn't a healthy, like, emotionally doing that. Like, I just cut myself off fully. Mm. Just go for a month, no one would hear from me. Mm. And I'd just train. There's no long, long-term long in that. So, no. like, how many times can I do this in my career? Yeah, and, like, that's always the way I dealt with it. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, okay, if I feel under pressure, I'll just go do this. Yeah. Um, and it worked. Yeah. Like, because then I came out and I won a stage in Utah and yeah. then led in... Colorado and so immediately everyone's like oh he's back he's yeah. fine and that question of being like am I physically good enough you're like okay well I, I think I am yeah 
Um, and so they just kind of like swept that under the rug. Yeah. You know, it was kind of He's like... He's cured. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's like laughing like, oh, hey, Dad, remember when I said I was going to quit cycling? Like, yeah. <laughs> look at me now, six weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And like the real issues swept under the rug. Totally, yeah. Mm. Okay, so then fast forward me then to the next season because the next season was your last season in the World Tour. Yeah. And your second, your second year as a Neo Pro. But you decide. I remember catching up with you because um, we briefly knew each other. I knew your brother, and then I'd met you along the way. But then we caught up in Girona at the end of that season. Yeah. And yeah, I remember you were just at that time, sort of. When I compare yourself to now, there weren't as many laughs. Yeah. You know, you're still you're still just an easygoing guy, but you could see you weren't ultra ultra happy in that space there yeah we went training a couple times and more or less led to the point like the contract was ending and i'm pretty pretty okay with that you know it wasn't like you were like calling it to me anyway but you're just like when the contract ends i'm done yeah so like after that season of finding yourself up in the mountains for a year uh for a month you came to the next season and were the problems just straight away back there yeah like so we did the thereabouts trip that off season. Oh, of course. Um, which kind of came off the back of. Let's sorry. Let's go into that. Yeah. Before we go into what we're about to talk about is that's something I wanted to talk about. And at the end of two thirteen. Yeah. With your brother. Yeah. You came up with this idea of like let's just ride, let's just. Maybe you can explain it better than I can, but you did a great trip from Port Macquarie, from your town where you're from, into the centre of Australia to Uluru, where Ayers Rock is. Yeah. What's the whole idea about the trip? How'd that come about? It's kind of like the idea was born out of like the middle of that year when I was having a tough time with it and was thinking I'd stop. And then when I started again, I was like, all right, this off season, I want to do something and not like waste it. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I realised that like when I'm over here, like it's a big commitment. So when I go home, I don't want to like, just like you know get on the piece for two weeks and then start training and like mm. I like want to do something cool mm. something you enjoy exactly yeah. it's just something different like with I your wanna, brother yeah and Gus was like straight away just like yeah let's do something and so then we're like I don't even we just were like let's just ride to the middle of Australia however that came about like mm. over like, <laughs> a few you. messages and like whatever we're just like alright and then kind of like had like, nothing like to a do lot with... of those ideas, you get there's a lot of initial excitement, yeah, and then you sort of like the real world takes over, or like you wake up the next morning and you sort of like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if we're gonna do that. So yeah. it's kind of like in the back burner. But then we came back, and we're both just sort of like, should we do it? And we're just like, fuck it, yeah, let's do it. You're waiting for one one or the other to go, and totally. no one did it, and no because one like out. at that point, I had no like restrictions I guess to what I, I mean I, I did but not really like I didn't have to go to work or anything mm. and so it was more in Gus and Gus was like yeah I can do it so mm. then we just went and did it like within a week of being like yeah okay then we just went and did it the next week the next week and it was amazing like just a uh, just an incredible trip which like through that it was only 12 days or whatever yeah had a big like perspective change did you envision that that's what it was going to be it was purely just a fun thing to do no i just thought it was a fun thing to do yeah like I'd get some like i never i'd been to the middle of australia when i was a kid but there's so much of australia i hadn't seen mm. um and yeah it just seemed like like why not more than anything mm. um was it about training as well, or you didn't really care? Well, like it's like two birds with one stone sort right. of thing. So um, you had that in the back of your mind, I still need to tick some Ks off. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it started out more so like that. Like to begin with, I was riding harder and being like, okay, I actually need to get into shape. And then Doing after efforts a bit, on the way, yeah. Yeah. The yeah, first few days, it was like, yeah, I'll do a few like tempos or something. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. It lasted maybe two days, and then it was just like, until Gus to the sword. <laughs> He's like, dude, <laughs> like, you can't Gus. do those tempos anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, then like it was one of those, and that was also part of the realization of like, why am I, why am I doing these? You know, mm. like, why am I, why can't I just enjoy 
this for what it is like why am I working towards this like impossible goal Mm. (laughs) Um, so like that whole trip was yeah it kind of brought to the surface all the things that um, I hadn't ever dealt with I guess Mm. And were you speaking about that stuff out loud or was it more internal no and I think that was a huge part of it was because Gus like he went and studied film stuff and so decided to he's like let's shoot it and not with the idea of making a movie but he's like a long he's like we might as well do it like we can and so he brought his mate Scott Mitchell along who you know yeah and he's an easy guy to talk to yeah so we'd sit down and he'd be like let's just do an interview and you'd be having a couple of beers and all of a sudden you've spoke for like two hours mm. and you don't really like it was all it's almost like a therapy sort of thing yeah you know I mean you were kind of airing all these things and, and the, in a foreign place yeah where you're not like you're just in the middle of somewhere you've never been and so then it's all kind of feels like you know one or two people but yeah. You could be really open, you know what I mean? Because you weren't anyone. And also, it's like, it's not happening over one hour, one day, two no. days. It was over those 10 days where you're slowly getting broken down by the ride. Yeah. You're slowly getting less, you know, guarded because, you know, Scott's around. He's Like you said, he's a great guy. You feel friendly with him. Yeah. Brothers, there, it's a small crew and you're just like, you're opening up more without even realizing. I can imagine those interviews on the first day were no, weren't nowhere near as good as like, Exactly. The like last the, the last ones were like, it's like yeah, I've run out the of most I'd talked and t- spoke to anyone. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was just like, so yeah, it was that. It was yeah, it was a real process, I guess. Mm. Um, and that was a, was that a feeling of on a physical level, and also maybe on a psychological level too. The the evening or the changing of the the baton in terms of you and Gus. You know, because all those years it was sort of like, like you spoke about looking up to him and he was always leading the way. And then all of a sudden, like if you watch the film too, you see that Gus is now suddenly the guy in your shadow on the physical level. Was yeah. there any of that? or? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it came to a point because he was coming back to riding and was so far out of his depth. And I had like, two or three more years experience as a professional so immediately he just looked to to me for guidance in the riding side of it mm. but then when you're only riding you know like that was like mm. all we were doing that shift came sort of more permanent I guess mm. in a way that yeah it, it just changed mm. I think um, well, then how did that set you up for that next year? Like, it sounds like to me that it was going to set you up really well for the next year, but it's sort of, in in what I saw, it was the last year of your world tour career at that yeah. point. And, like, I came back from that trip and was in a great headspace mentally. Yeah. And physically, I was, like, going super well. Like, I remember going back to port after that. And, like, there's times I did on these climbs that I still think about today, and I'm like, God, I was moving. Yeah. And then... It's the 310k days back to back. <laughs> exactly. It's the, the slow burn. Um, but then immediately I went straight to Tour Down Under then. And I, I was just... It felt like I just like... Like it was so... Way too much. Mm. You know, like after all that freedom and... Just kind of like... It felt like I'd liberated myself and then I'd jump back into it and it was immediately just felt like... Caged oh, animal. shit, just suffocated. Yeah, right. Straight um, away. And that's already race one. Exactly. Yeah. And two it out under, which is like the nicest, easiest yeah, <laughs> sort right. of thing. And I was like... Immediately I was like, ah, oh, like this. Uh, I don't think this is going to go well. Mm. Um, and then moved to Girona. Um into Zabriskie's apartment who I'd spent like a bit of time with the year before and I'd kind of got like a like the feeling that he had leaving cycling I was like shit I never like even though he's got past that and he had a great career and whatever just that feeling I got from him when he was leaving the sport I was Mm. like I don't want to feel like that when I'm leaving you know so then you're able to sort of leave on your own terms you feel at the end of that season yeah, yeah. Like when I, did you make that decision during that year? 
Uh, it's like halfway through the year. Um, I told my agent that I didn't want to, like, don't look for teams for me. And then really quickly told him, like, maybe two weeks later that, like, if you can find a team that'll have Gus and I, will keep going. <laughs> it and he was just year. like, it was such a long, he was just like, that'll never happen. And I was like, well, that's like, like, it's either that or nothing. Yeah. And then, like, randomly, he just pulled it off, like, and so the story goes, like, Danny yeah. was in the team character of Utah. I got a call from um, my agent, Michael. He's like, oh, do you want to sign Lachlan? So this is Jelly Belly. Um, Danny's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Like, whatever. Came from a World Tour team. Like, And this is Jelly Belly, for everyone who doesn't know, is in America. They were like a pro-continental team. Yeah. Pretty good team, been around forever. Exactly. And it was just a different sort of scene and a different level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Danny was like, yeah, great, we'll do it. And then Michael's like, oh, only catch is you have to sign his brother. And then Danny like... So does he ride this guy? That's yeah. exactly it. He's like, does he ride? And then like, Ricey, like the other director called his mate in Sydney and he's like, do you know if he's Gus, like, C-bomb, like even rides? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And like, apparently the guy said, he's like, I don't know if he's riding. He's like... But fuck, if he is, like, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is true. Yeah, which is true. So then Danny's like, yeah, sweet, we'll do it. And that all happened, like, around... And that's how contracts get done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, so, yeah, that, we were both like, sweet, this is yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah, um, And so that was, like... And was it? August. Yeah, it was great, man. Like, so then I finished that season at Tour of Beijing, which was, like... To anyone who ever did that race, it's the most depressing, mm. like horrible world tour race you could do. So late in the year, everyone just like, wanted to go home there. Exactly, yeah. and so that really just like it wasn't like I had like this great last experience. It was no. like you just knew then you're like cool nail in the coffin. I've made the best ex- decision. Exactly, yeah. and I was willing to like, like I signed. We signed for one year, and I was like, if I don't like it, I'm I'm done. Okay, I'm done. so this was like. I hate cycling, but let's just see if it's, I hate this scene and let's go to a new scene. Exactly. And maybe it's okay. Cause, like, let's see if it's just environment. Because ultimately, the way I see you, just a sidetrack here, and now racing again with you, and this is what I saw at the end of last year when you're in Dimension, and we're racing Tour of Austria, you love to race. Mm. And I saw you again after seeing you all those years ago and then a couple of years again back with Dimension. In Austria, it was like, you were just racing it. You were just attacking like across the groups, attacking the front group. And I'm like, who is this guy? You know? And like being back here in Australia now racing together, I see you racing in the nationals and then you go back and you did a crit in, in Adelaide and you just love to race. So yeah. at that point there, I can see why you wanted to give it still another go. Were you like a bit like, I'm, I don't want to say goodbye, you know? what? Yeah, and I think... I always knew if I was going to be saying goodbye, I would need that whole year. Yeah, okay. Like, you mean with like parties after every race and stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just that year of being like, A, like, I would have no idea what I would do if I wasn't riding. Um, And B, like, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it'd be like a breakup. You know what I mean? Like, because it's like, like, I've always raced. Is that how you've always done your breakups with your partner? <laughs> yeah, over a year. Yeah, just slowly. Spread them out, you know? <laughs> Ease it up. It just slowly cools the relationship <laughs> until you're just like, hey, let's just be friends. <laughs> you're already friends yeah. by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, I was hoping by the end of that year we could, I could just be friends with cycling. Yeah. Not okay. in like an abusive relationship. <laughs> and then what happened then? So you started to love it again? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I kind of... The, for the first half of the year, I was like, just having fun, like going to these races and sort of doing it half-assed mm. um, and then realized that like, I don't really like doing racing half-assed. Mm. So then like by the end of the year was racing well and just having a really good time because it was mm. just like eight guys always on the road together. You know, mm. like staying in host houses, just pretty much like a throwback to like a junior. Yeah, right. And the only motivation, like I was probably 
between Gus, myself, and maybe two other guys are probably the only guys getting paid on that team. Yeah, right. So the only motivation for people to be doing it is the love yeah. for cycling. So it's a different feel. Totally different because it's like if you didn't absolutely love it, you, why would you, you be there? Yeah. Which is the whole thing that I had to ask myself because it's like, well, like the whole reason you're doing this is obviously because you love bike riding. Mm. So then it, the it's motivation, easy. Yeah. that was the motivation change because all of a sudden it was like, I'm, I'm not doing this because I feel like I have to or like I'm chasing my older brother or what, I've it, like got stuck. It's like all of a sudden I was like, I'm just, I want to do this just because I want to race bikes. Yeah, exactly. And like prove myself, you know. And, and it's not like what you said before. It's like, well, because I'm getting paid, you know, oh, it's a good chance to earn money. Yeah. And it's like, that's the worst motivation ever. Totally. And, you know, I was just so young when I made all those decisions before. Mm. They didn't even feel like decisions, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it just was the next thing, the next thing until all of a sudden I had no idea what my motivation for being there was. Mm. And that took, like, that that year, that first year on Jelly Belly, I, like, found that motivation from myself mm. to want to do it. And then that's what changed, like, everything. And then the next year, I was, like, I want to go back to the world tour for myself mm. because already you wanted to go back yeah after one year in Jelly Belly after or? one year I was like I want to go back because if I don't do it I'll regret it if I don't do it properly if I don't go there and like even if I suck for a year but I know I did it properly in mm. like the way I wanted to do it not not properly in that like like train as hard as I can eat well not those things just do it like on my terms yeah okay then then I would regret it. Then yeah. I'd be like that 50-year-old with a chip on his shoulder mm. about how I could have done the tour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so then that was my motivation. And I also realized that, uh, I mean, I was still only 25, I think, but it becomes harder the, hard, the older you get to get yeah. into the world tour. And then, yeah, that's right. People see you, you step away and then riding on a team like Jelly Belly, they don't consider that as a, exactly. a team coming back to Europe, yada, yada. Yeah. So then it's a big transition. And the way I sort of see it and the whole point of the conversation today is one thing I admire about you is that you were able to step away from the sport before it, over, before it killed you. Not step away from the sport from the European scene, the world to a scene. Yeah. And understand what it took for you to balance your life in order for you to be pro. Because a lot of guys don't understand that and they'll ride that train until the death. And it might have could have been a, a ten year career, but instead it's only four years. Yeah. So you stepped away before it was only four years and now you're back. How do you view cycling for you now in terms of with all that stuff how do you balance it what is your balance what is now the key for you to be able to be here back in the world tour I think um, for me it's just as long as when I get on the bike each day it's because I want to be out riding my bike not never feeling like I have to be doing it yeah that's kind of my gauge for like either if i'm doing something right or wrong mm. um so what do you it's do hard, it's hard to like answer that question of like what is life balance because that's always like a juggle yeah um yeah not specifically what are the things but if you try and think of yourself back then and yourself now and I think that was a good point. You said, I try not to make myself feel like this is something I have to do rather than this is something I want to do. You know, like when you're here now, like, I mean, I, I see think... things important for you are having your wife here. Yeah. You understand that fact. Not living alone somewhere solo in Mallorca. Yeah. You know, having family around, having your brother now live in the town. You know, you understand those facts. They're really important. They're really. They're really important factors for you. And maybe in the beginning, it's this whole thing, I'm going to make it on my own and they'll be there. It's not like I don't care about them, but I don't need them. You're like, as you get older, I know this for me, 
I know that I need them in my corner. They're the people, they're my guardian, guardian angels on my shoulder. So I think they're points for you. But then also the other side is I think thereabouts is something you create with your brother. And whether it becomes something big or financially successful, or whatever, that's got nothing to do with it. Yeah. It's something that you see as really important for you to do outside this world of cycling. Ultimately, the third part of the puzzle is the racing side. You love to race. Yeah. So if you were just doing thereabouts, that probably mm. wouldn't be just fulfilling for you. You love riding, but ultimately you love riding because you still love to race. I don't know. Is this, this is what I'm just sort of gauging. Yeah, yeah. No, that's like super fair. Like it's, it's like a combination of, like you said, the thereabouts stuff like exploring riding yeah yeah. and then also like just like a nice like home life yeah you know what i mean like appreciating the fact that like we're comfortable enough we're able to live on the other side of the world Mm. like those little things that like i always sort of saw as inconveniences now just sort of embrace you know Mm. um because you've set it up in your way because exactly how i want to do it so i feel like very comfortable with what i'm doing yeah. Um, which also helps me see cycling more for what it is. Yeah. Um, because like, you know, like in, in world tour cycling, it's, it's very consuming, you yeah. know? Um, and a lot of the time in a race, it can feel like life and death, you mm. know? Um, Again. which like, there needs to be an element of that because otherwise you wouldn't, you'd never do it. But it's about like, just and having enough, perspective so that when you have that bad race or you know you get sick or the results don't come it does it's not the end of the world Mm. you know what i mean it's not like you then carry that into your home life into everything who helps you with that perspective uh i think rachel's probably the biggest one because she she knows me better than anyone yeah and she'll she'll see things that i do before i do you know like i'll but like, she'll see you starting to slip down that rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. And she'll sort of go, hey. Yeah. Or like... Will she say something to you or will she just go, hey, should we just cruise somewhere today? Exactly. And exactly like, that. And you're like, all of a sudden, you're like, you'll be getting frustrated about something. And then just like the fact of, of hearing that that yeah. out loud, you're like, yeah, what, what am I doing? Yeah, right. And also the fact that like, she's she sacrificed so much just to be there mm. with me, you know, which like, if I'm, like if I'm, it, it makes no sense for me to be there doing it if like I'm doing it the wrong way or yeah. whatever, like we'll just pack up and go, yeah. you know what I mean? So she's that like, that reference point. Um, what do you do when you find yourself having to be faced with things you you don't really want to do, but you know you have to do. Like you mentioned that point before, I don't want to be in a situation where, I can't remember your exact wording now, but it was like, I want to do it because I want to do it rather than I have to do it. So like, for instance, sometimes you just have to do certain training sessions or mm-hmm. a race, you're halfway through a race, you're like, I actually don't really want to be here anymore, but there's six days to go. Yeah. How, you, how do you mentally get through these situations or... For me, it's like I just think now of all the the things it enables me to do and the life I'm able to have because outside of that situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like thereabouts doesn't exist without me being professional. Yeah. You know? Um, like the ability to ride my bike every day living overseas in Spain doesn't exist without those few hard moments. Mm. Um so I guess it's that idea of like you're weighing it up <laughs> of yeah. like, and then all of a sudden that feeling of like, shit, I have to do this. It's like, no, nah, like. I want to do this. I you you do actually this. change it in the moment? Exactly. Like I, yeah. like I need to do this. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Not need, like needing that like, for me, for like what I like to do, how I like to live my life, this yeah. one thing is part of that. Yeah. So then... How do you find yourself then reconnecting with the racing side of things, like that race part of you? Yeah. I mean, I like to, I, I do like to just race. Um, like, that's how I've always sort of 
Like, I like to get out there and just kind of go for it and see mm. what happens, um, which I always have found sort of frustrating. In Like, water racing is very much like you sort of wait, wait, wait. There's a lot of time to think. Mm. And so for me, the less time I sort of have to think about things, the better I go, you know, because I just kind of go out. And I think that's... It. Yeah, well, I think that's... Well, especially for me, one of the key things I remind myself a lot of the time is when I'm just racing and not thinking I'm, I'm doing the... I'm riding the best, you know? Yeah. And I'm just following the wheel in front and the next wheel in front and just continually thinking about the next five seconds. It's when I'm racing my best. Like last yeah. night, I'm not going to say I set the world on fire. No, but yeah, you were ripping. But we did this this criterion where it was like a point score, hell yeah. of a thing, and in my mind before the race was going to be hell, but there was nothing else to think about than following the next attack. Yeah. But if we'd waited for the sprint the whole race, there would have been a hell of a lot to analyze. So Totally. And even like if you take that race last night, for example, the first two laps, I was just thinking about it. Mm. Like I was thinking about just, I don't know what, and I was just like, all of a sudden I was like, what am I doing here? Like, what are, I'm in a race. Like, this is kind of a race. Like, <laughs> I'm hanging out here like all week in Torquay, like so I can do this thing. I could just go and fucking do the thing. And is then all a- of a sudden it switches and you're like, okay, it's fine. But it, I think that's like, that's constant, mm. you know? Um, so I think as long as I, I'm always trying to like remember to enjoy the race, um, then like those those things come easier. But also still I have that like, I think everyone has like that little sort of perfectionist, like if you're a professional athlete, you want things to be, there's somewhere in my head that knows sometimes I could have done things better. Yeah. But uh, yes, like yeah, I I see that too. Like I, we discussed this, I discussed this on another podcast. It's like if I'd done this, if I'd done that, I could have maybe been a better writer. But then you you weigh it up. You're like, well, it is a balance, you know. Yeah, like exactly. that's what's keeping me in the sport this longer time. Yeah, those bits that aren't fully professional. Yeah, and yeah, maybe I can bring them up and make it a little bit more even. But that's something you got to keep weighing up the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Last sort of thing I want to talk to you about, this year with the team, EF, it's a pretty exciting year because, and everyone's asked you about it, but I think you've been able to really coolly combine those two loves of that adventure side with racing. Yeah. Because now we've got this alternate program where we're doing like some gravel stuff and we're talking about doing some some adventures, getting to the races and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. How do you feel about that, actually? Now, actually, you're sort of bringing the, 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 the dream into this, your, your work, you know, yeah. to get paid to do the dream now. It's, yeah. I hate to say that. Living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like... But true. It's pretty... It, it was just like... It's an incredible opportunity. Yeah. Um, to... So, like, it sort of came about with Rafa early last year, and I heard that they had this idea in the... Mm. in the pipe works which like Gus and I had spoken about a lot when we were at Jelly Belly yeah. like a similar idea um, what to do it in a pro team or do just it in to a do pro it? team oh yeah um, and so then this was just kind of like the realisation of like this pipe dream huh. you know uh, and at the time I didn't know specifically what team it was yeah um, but I said like I said to Rachel immediately I was like this for like because at that time I was like it's probably going to be you know going to a continental team mm. to be able to make this yeah. dream come alive and I was like I said to Rachel I was like this is it I'm going to regret not doing this yeah. if I don't yeah and she was just like shit yeah like, it sounds amazing so yeah. we're just like let's do it um, so yeah it's just like to see that come alive and with a group of sponsors who see the value in it. Mm. It's not just like, oh, let's go do it. Let's cash in on it. They actually want to be involved. Exactly. And like I've sort of like harped on about it for ages and now it's like, all right, now I've got a chance to actually try and do something. Mm. Um, Which is sweet. Like, so I think for the sport, it's going to be amazing. Um, You know, for like the team involved, but I just like on a very personal level. It's mm. just like it's, it's a dream, man. <laughs> it's so sick. <laughs> That's sweet because, like, ultimately, 
okay, on a personal thing, you're going to get the best out of yourself. Yeah. And you're going to be enjoying it. But on a, on a, any team would want any rider to be happy and enjoying themselves. So I think on the flip side, without them maybe even realizing it, they've tapped into the best of Lockie and who knows who else gets involved and find the love in them. Because I think sometimes all of us jump into this and then we're not exactly loving it anymore. Yeah. We're still doing it happy, but when you really truly love it, that's when the best stuff comes out. Exactly. And yeah. embracing the the riders for who they are in it, but letting yeah. the riders just be themselves. Yeah. Because like I was thinking about it today, it's like you spend a hundred days say a hundred days a year away on the road. Yeah. And if there's a little part of you who feels like well, you can't quite be yourself. Yeah. You say it like that, you're like, I yeah. can't quite be myself. Yeah. But you do that for a third of the year, for 10 years. <laughs> you know, that's three years of your life. You, do, you change, like you become a different person. Yeah. So, like that, I think from a writer's perspective, like that's a great bit, you know? Like, and I can even see like you, Dean, being able to just like mm. be yourself. Yeah. You know, and race at a world tour level. I and did... still do do your job amazingly. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> thank but, you. But you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, not... that's true. And it's it's a constant search. It's a constant reality check. I need people to keep checking in with me and going, bringing me back down. Yeah. To reality and going, hey, like my wife's the same. It only takes a comment from her after so and so so long, and you're like, you hear it, and you're like, oh, gotcha. Being a dick, (laughs) and it's just like that wake-up call. But it can only come from a few people, yeah. Because you know you you're so headstrong or whatever, and you're like, no, 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 I'm right, I'm right. And it comes from the right person. You're like, yeah, I need to I need to get back to who I am because I'm becoming this person I don't want to be, which ultimately leads down that road that we just spoke about. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Well, mate, we've. Heard the story. Sweet. <laughs> um, thanks for coming on. I'm really, really happy to be able to chat to you about it. Yeah, man. That's good. Let's get into this racing. Yeah. Cheers, Lockie. No worries, man.